All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 276, Vintage Houston Harden showed up in Boston for game one. The Heat's up 1-0 on the Knicks. Who the hell is playing? The NBA got exactly what they wanted. We got a Golden State Warriors, Los Angeles Lakers, round two. What does the bromance of Draymond and LeBron mean going into this series? The Suns are down 0-2 to Denver. Chris Paul gets hurt once again. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the true Players Podcast, episode 276. How you living, Drew? Good, man. I got no complaints. Uh, I, who would have thought the Lakers would be in round two uh, six months ago? I'm, I'm on cloud nine. This is great. I'm doing great. Drew's rocking his Laker cap. He's ready to go. He's in full Laker gear. Uh, we have a lot to get into today, but I want to start, Drew, with, you know, I'm an early riser, right? Mm. You know, you know, I like to wake up early in the morning. I've always been that guy. I've always been a 4.35 a.m. kind of guy. I know you're not that kind of guy. I'm the opposite. <laughs> you are the opposite. I I've stay always... up. I usually like to stay up until 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning <laughs> if I can. And then you're waking up right when I'm going to bed. Yeah, I like to get up early. I got this from Papa Clips. You know, start start early, get a head start on everything. Um, I like to wake up in the morning, take my beach walks. Uh, I like to hop online, watch the games from last night. You know, a lot of our listeners are from, you know, all over the globe. So I like to, you know, get on Instagram, get on whatever platform and respond to people, talk to our listeners a little bit. Uh, I just like to get a jump, a jump start on the day. I'm a routine, routine guy. That's what I do. And um, about two months ago, this guy that I follow, that I respect, uh, he always gives life hacks, like try to make your life, you know, a little bit better, you mm. know, meditation, shit like that. Anyways, he had this <laughs> Uh, suggestion that I tried out. He's like, yo, when you start your day before you look at the phone in the morning, before you flip it over and, and get that blue screen poison in your eyes and whatnot, like take a little bit of gratitude, right? Spend, spend some time in the morning uh, to start your day and talk about the things that you're thankful for, right? And so I started implementing this about two months ago and I like it. It gets my day start a little better. I wake up, I'm, before I flip the phone over, I just say, hey, I'm thankful that I woke up this morning. I'm grateful I got great family. I got great friends. I'm thankful that I got a great job and great coworkers. And I'm thankful that I get to work with one of my best friends on a podcast that we really care about. And I've been doing this over and over and it really nice. gets my day started. It, it's great. You should try it. Anybody listening, try it. Um, but the whole point of this is that I woke up this morning early about four 15 and I, I was doing my routine and I was saying what I was grateful for showing gratitude at, at the end of my uh, giving my thanks and whatnot, I, I said, you know what? I'm also thankful for being an NBA fan. I'm thankful that we are alive in this time where we get to watch all these great players. I'm thankful that we get to see Jimmy Butler take out the Bucks in the first round. I'm thankful that we get to see Steph Curry drop a career high 50 points in a game seven on enemy territory. I'm thankful that we get to see Nikola Jokic go against the Phoenix Suns. I'm thankful that I get to see Devin Booker do what Devin Booker does. And sometimes 
in this process, at the core of what we do, Drew, this show at the core, at the basis of what we do, we started this show because we are fans. And everybody that listens to this show uh, it has the same amount of love that we do for NBA basketball. And sometimes it gets lost in translation. You know, this, this show becomes kind of a job. And like and we spend our time watching all of these games and, you know, I'm looking at de- defensive strategies and I'm looking at coaching strategies and I'm looking at who's, you know, winning the offensive rebounding battle. And sometimes I forget to sit back and just be a fan and just enjoy mm-hmm. this moment that we're in with NBA basketball. People are hitting career nights every single night. These playoffs have just been absolutely insane. So I want to spend more time being the fan instead of like the analytical guy looking at all these different <laughs> strategies. These playoffs have been crazy, Drew. Yep. And a lot of shit's even changed in the past week. What do you think about the, these games that have been going on? This is one of the better playoffs that we've had in a long time, right? Like, I mean, just even if you look at the fact that there is only one sweep in the first round, right? Uh, Philly knocking out Brooklyn and, uh, you know, that, that was kind of bound to happen. Even Even that sweep was pretty close, right? Brooklyn did a better job, I think, than all of us expected, even though they lost all of the games. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, man, I going all the way across, you had, I mean, a historic Jimmy Butler performance in the first round and, and, and a historic collapse, 16-point lead for the Milwaukee Bucks mm. to lose that game and to be bounced out of the first round. Uh that's that's incredible in itself right there. Then you have all of the drama with the Lakers and Grizzlies and uh, all that. You had the one of the most entertaining first round series between the the Warriors and the Kings in a in a crosstown rivalry that nobody. I mean, twenty years ago, bro, if you would if you would have said the Kings and the Warriors would have had the best first round, it, you know, in all of these playoffs with all these different stars that we have. I would have said you're fucking crazy. There's no way it would have been the Kings and the Warriors that produced that. Uh, and here we are, 2023, light the beam, uh, took them took them all the way, took the Warriors all the way to the precipice. Uh, and, you know, who, who knows what happens if De'Aaron Fox doesn't actually get a broken finger. Uh, but I have a pretty good understanding of what you're talking about, though. Like, it, it sometimes it's hard to to just be like, holy shit, this is awesome. Right. As opposed to like trying to break down what you just saw and and, you know, kind of analyze it and and then get your takes ready and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. Right. Like, you know, I I do a pretty good job of that, though. I think in the moment I just I'm just a lot of the times, especially in this playoffs, I have said, holy shit, that like what the hell just happened Um, time and time again. So, yeah, I'm stoked. I'm thinking the second round is also going to be kind of living up to that type of of atmosphere and that type of intensity. I don't think there's going to be a sweep in the second round. I mean, who knows? We're going to get into all the series, but Denver has got a good case potentially for a sweep if there's going to be one. Um, But anyway, yeah, dude, I'm stoked. I I think all of these matchups are very, very intriguing across the board with the last eight teams that we have. And I'm hopeful that uh, no further injuries occur that that is going to skew the results of these fantastic playoffs that we got going. Yeah, I'm knocking on wood right now because it seems like just it seems like everybody's getting a sprained knee. Sprained knee is like the thing of 2023 right now. Um, I thought it was really interesting. I, we got to go back a little bit. Let's go back to uh, Bucks Miami, and it was funny. I was just telling you before we started the show, like we, you know, we did a whole long piece on the last one. Hemi is what we called the show, and uh, which fit perfectly with our whole "What does him mean?" You know, what what, right. what the hell is that whole meaning? <laughs> right, and right. I, you know, after we did the show 
that's when the game was. And we had said, like, I, you know, if anybody can come back, it's probably going to be the Bucks from 3-1. You had said earlier in the season, and we both agreed on it, that like the bar for the best NBA teams in the game is going to be Milwaukee. That's how we base every single team that we look at is like, yo, Milwaukee's the team. They have every single piece that they need. And then what happens is you get this guy that's cut from a different cloth, like Jimmy Butler, that isn't going to let you beat them. And just it's not going to be a gimme kind of game. So gimme Jimmy. That actually works, too. <laughs> um, you know, I had I did the artwork for the show as I wanted to get it out. And I had to put the artwork out before you even got the podcast out because he did something miraculous once again, right? Yeah. Jimmy yeah. Butler put the whole Miami Heat team. And man, <laughs> listen, if you, you read those those players from top to bottom, Jimmy Butler and name seven more Miami Heat players, right? It's kind of hard for the, for the, the casual right. NBA fan. No, and this is. guy did it, right? And then the narrative comes out, well, Jimmy Butler might be cut from the same cloth as Kobe and Michael, right? And you, when you think about it, you're like, damn, if anybody does, if anybody is, it's probably Jimmy. And to knock off Goliath, which is the Milwaukee Bucks, yeah, Giannis was hurt and he had to you know, had the booty gun working on him during the game, <laughs> but he was horrible. And the coaching in that game was horrible. And it came out later after that loss that coach bud lost his brother in a car accident, which is horrible prayers up to him and his yeah, family, but tragic. it's super tragic. And it also goes to like what we were saying about Kawhi Leonard and a couple of like people have real lives going on. Basketball Definitely. isn't just everything, right? It's hard to compartmentalize you know, uh, basketball, Ty Lu lost seven family members and we didn't even know about it. So, mm. um, I think we need to give some, some props to the Miami heat for even making it to the second round with the team that they have on the backs of Jimmy Butler, which proved Hemi to the fullest. He is the him guy. Yeah. And I also think like the Celtics are super lucky. Like I just, just ste stepping back from that and before we dive into the, the, how that, that series closed, like it very easily could have been the Celtics in this position against the heat, as opposed to the bucks have had the, had the heat decided to like fucking show up at, at all against the Atlanta Hawks in the plan. And that still kind of blows my mind. I know that it, it's that result specifically, and also the way that they almost lost to the Chicago bulls in the following game. It's like, how, how is that? what this team is now, how, how do you watch those two games? And then you look, you look now and, and you see game four and game five of the, of, of you know, the first round against the bucks. They, it's like night and day. I don't, I don't know how they did that or, or, you know, obviously it's mostly Jimmy Butler, uh, but still it's, uh, it's tremendous. And I think the Celtics got uh, quite lucky there. Cause I do think it would have been a hell of a series for them to go through. Uh, but that's neither here nor there because, the Celtics are are going to be playing against the Sixers. They already lost the first game. We're going to get into that. But the Heat absolutely, and Jimmy Butler, demolished any hopes, any prayers for the Bucks to win a championship this year. And that was, I mean, to me, that one, other than the, the Philly-Brooklyn uh, series, was the series I felt the most confident about picking the winner of in the Bucks. Um, so yes, not enough can be said about Jimmy Butler's performance in game four, uh, and to follow that up 56, to follow that with a 42 and eight, uh, four assists, two steals, uh, dude, I, that's, that's two of the best games back to back in the history of the playoffs, right? Like I know that it was already 56 is in the top eight 
all-time scoring performances outputs in NBA history. But to I don't know how I would love to like go through each one of those top eight and then see what the results were for the following game for all of those guys, including Charles and Mike and, and the rest of them. Like I, I didn't do the research. I, maybe I should have, but I just thought of it right now. And that would be an interesting look because I don't think too many of them were following that up with a 42-point effort in a closeout win and a comeback the way that they did to, to get it into overtime and then, you know, do it that way. But Against the number one team, number one right. seed. And, and, you know, Giannis's injury is a, is a really unfortunate part about this that can't be understated because he was injured. Uh, at the same time, he still played, you know, whatever, let's see, 42 minutes in this game uh, and still dropped 38 points and 20 rebounds. But counter to Jimmy, this is the worst 38-point, 20-rebound game in the history of the playoffs. And what I mean by that is you look at that stat line and you go, okay, how you can't, you can't blame Giannis for this. How can you look at that? If you didn't watch the game, for instance, you go this. Okay. So Giannis is doing everything, but you watch the game and you go, Oh my God, <laughs> what the hell happened in the second half? What the hell happened in the fourth quarter? Uh, the free throws for Giannis. So it's just one of those crazy things where I don't know if you can ever say that a guy who dropped 38 points and 20 rebounds had a bad game. But if you, if you could, it would be game five against the Heat for Giannis Antetokounmpo, who the rails just completely fell off uh, entirely in that last portion there. He couldn't – he was trying to force his shot. He couldn't get it Shoot to drop jumpers. from anywhere. Shoot jumpers. jumpers. And, and, the, and, again, the free throw is terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I look, I, I know a lot of the blame is going to go on Budenholzer, and I think that's that's fair, right? He, he as we said on the last one, doesn't adjust well uh, off of the game script. He does not – pivot in moments that he should. I think sometimes his rotations are poor where, you know, leaving Lopez and Giannis on the court at the same time was leaving them exposed at times. And I think you have, you know, Portis and look, the other side of it is too, is is the supporting cast ended up not being as good as we thought it was going to be. Jay Crowder, not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Joe Ingles is, is what he is at this point, but he's not going to just, you know, come out and light it up offensively by scoring the ball. Uh, and defensively, he's, you know, he's he's quite slow after that knee injury and he was never super fast to begin with. But all the way top to bottom, you know, there's not one person to blame here. Budenholzer needs to catch some. Giannis definitely needs to catch some. Drew Holiday, Middleton, like the it's everybody all the way down the list, including the GM who traded five second round picks for for Jay Crowder. <laughs> there was more there. The, the Bucks traded more second round picks than Jay Crowder had field goals. Yeah, that's insane. Right. Yeah. And we in had talked series. about in the series, I this, think. Right. And we had talked about all season, like, where's Jay Crowder going to go? He's going to be the totally. biggest X factor. And no, he did nothing. Yeah. And shout you know, out to the Suns because that's a huge win. Right. Like, I mean, if you think about that, like, that guy wasn't even playing, didn't even want to be on the team. Suns the could Suns use Suns are like dope. <laughs> Suns could use him right now. Like, he really I, but could that. they? Because, like, how much better would he be for them than what he showed here in this game? I, I understand that he's the body, but I, Ish Wainwright probably does just as good as Jay Crowder at this point. Um, but- uh, I think I think there needs to be something to be said for Giannis after the game, though, with his with his post game interview about failure. And you know, I I agree with everything that he said. I mean, this happens. This was what happens in sports. Sometimes you get upset, and I don't think you. I mean, from a from a sports standpoint, yeah, it is a failure. You're the number one team coming in, and you didn't win. So it'll be looked at as a failure. You got bounced in the first round. You're a you know you're an NBA champion. Uh, it's, you should have played better, should have been coached better. So, but I, I think there was some, 
um, really valid points that he was making. It's true. We uh, look 99% of every NBA team fails, right? If winning the championship right. is all that matters and right. um, 29 other teams lose. So the only thing you can do is come back next year. I think there were some little things to take away from that press conference about coach bud and whatnot. And may, maybe it's time for them to move on. I, I I'm not necessarily sure because I think it's going to come down to if Giannis wants to continue with coach bud, it's like, whatever is going to make Giannis, uh, happy, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, in that same press conference where the the you know the major quote that was ripped and, and distributed was about his take on failure, it, there was he had he had some derogatory comments. Uh, I mean, as far as Giannis is concerned, it's always just like smiles and everything's roses typically. But he actually did talk about the fact that Budenholzer never put him on Jimmy Butler and 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 how he would have loved the opportunity to defend Jimmy. And I I mean that's such a clear and obvious choice that for a coaching staff to make that it, it just like baffles me why they didn't make it. I think maybe they thought they were buying time. Maybe they thought that uh, maybe in game six or game seven, that they would do that and unleash Giannis on Jimmy. But it's like, dude, get the fucking get, let, 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 don't you let's... think Giannis has that play though? Like Giannis can't just Kobe the situation and be like, nah, dude, I got this. You think Jimmy Butler uh, is going to listen to the coach? Nah, I got this, which you is know? why that's part of, the, the the blame goes all the way around, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, as much as Giannis can say, well, I need to listen to my coach. Sometimes you got to say, nah, like like what Jimmy Butler did, right? Like famously, we came out that Spolster was initially drawing up the play for some other player. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy's like, no, 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 no. I, it, it, <laughs> we're, we're drawing this up for me. And Spol right. goes, okay, right? right? So like that's that type of give and take is really important with the star player and the head coach, right? There's never going to be a moment where Darvin Ham, for instance, or Steve Kerr, for instance, goes to Steph Curry or or LeBron, and there's not a dialogue about like a, a specific matchup or a specific defensive assignment. There will be and should be a dialogue between the head coach and the star player like Giannis Antetokounmpo, especially when the decision is looks just so easily right. made. Like it's not something Jimmy's cooking Drew the whole complex. time, huh? Jimmy's just cooking Drew the whole time, like literally cooking. And 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 loving to tell him about it as well, like just talking about it every time. And and so I do feel bad for Drew because like, He's like also the think about guy. that. Like Drew, <laughs> Drew was put in that position to just get cooked forever. Yeah. And there was nothing, there was no help, no box in one, like I brought up on the last podcast as well, which yeah. would have been a great way to not, you know, expose Giannis to a one-on-one matchup with Jimmy, but let Drew have sufficient help behind mm-hmm. him when he's trying to be physical and up in Jimmy Butler while he's trying to ball handle. Anyway, it Budenholzer made enough of, enough of mistakes for a firing to make sense, especially when you see someone like Nick Nurse out there, a guy that I continue to bring up. But Nick Nurse would fit, I think, pretty beautifully into this roster. But I do think it does come down to whether or not Giannis wants to run it back, right? Budenholzer's got two years, $16 million left on that deal. That's not that's not an easy thing to cut ties with for an NBA franchise. Um, and you have to take advantage – not advantage. You have to take into account – his brother passing like, Mm -hmm. and um, for him to, you know, even still show up to all these games. And it seems like he was, you know, there at least physically, I can only imagine how much mental capacity that took up in his brain while he's trying to think X's and O's. And he's, and he's probably really from his, the loss of his brother. That's really tough scenario. So I could totally understand them retaining bud uh, perhaps shaking up the assistant coaching staff to provide some different options and different angles uh, to what Bood has uh, been running, and and the truth of the matter is, is that they found success, right? So I don't, I think, if Budenholzer doesn't win the championship a couple years back, he's out for sure, right? But 
you have some leeway here, right? It, mm-hmm. it hasn't, it wasn't the easiest. Giannis, your superstar was injured. Uh, there, there's a lot of excuses that can be placed around for the Bucks to not have to like go, okay, we're, we're, we're absolutely cutting ties and we're done unless Giannis is the one that says, let's pull the trigger. And so moving into the second round, you got Miami in the Knicks. And is anybody playing? You got Jimmy hurt. We got Randall hurt. Brunson's a game time decision with his ankle. Uh, a lot that they're Miami's up one Oh on New York. I, I don't know what to call this series because I don't know who's playing and who's not. And New York seems to be playing just fine without Julius Randall, which is kind of crazy. Um, I, you know, we underestimated Miami in the first round. Who's to say that these guys can't get past the Knicks. Like, I, I don't think, I think Jimmy, coming off of beating the bucks is looking at the Knicks like, all right, I could do this too. Like we can handle these, <laughs> these guys too. Uh, but the Knicks have had such a great season. I'm not necessarily sure what to call this. I'm just going to say that I'm going to go with Hemi Butler on this one. And I'm going to go with Miami just based on what I saw in the first round. Uh, I would like the Knicks to win. I would like to see them go to the next round, but from everything that I'm seeing from Jimmy, uh, I'm, I'm going to go for Miami and I'm going to say Miami in seven. Yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty good call. The first thing that happened, though, you know, coming off of the Bucks losses, I I was so overwhelmingly happy to see the Miami Heat play the New York Knicks in a second round playoff. Nineties basketball, baby, let's mm-hmm. bring it back. And and you know the the scenes of the old nineties fights that would break out, and Van Gundy, of course, being dragged along along the floor. I I just I'm I. I'm hoping that he does every single one of the games that that is between. He has to. He has got to be on the call for every single game. Um, so I actually think we're going to get a little bit of revisiting of that 90s stuff. And that actually showed up in the first game as well. The 108 to 101 uh, Miami steals another one. Right. Miami steals another one. It's like, holy shit, you're kidding me. And through Jimmy Butler rolling his ankle, which that looked really bad. <laughs> like that was a full and and a little extra uh on top of like he rolled it all the way over and then and then the leg of the Knicks players was on top of it just and that may be the only thing that that uh would derail this Miami team right now when you have a guy like Jimmy playing at at that level uh the only thing that you can hope for as the opposition is an ankle roll is a a hammy pull uh you know a poke in the eye (laughs) other than being a dirty player and then going out there and trying to do that yourself where you take somebody out, Bill Beer style, you got to hope that something catches up with Jimmy and that he's not going to be the same. We're going to see what happens here in game two. It's going to come up here very shortly, actually, in about an hour. That game's going to tip, and we'll see whether or not he's available. The Knicks also, as you mentioned, are missing Julius Randle. Jalen Brunson has an ankle problem. And what I know is, what I, what I know, what I hope is, I don't want to be deprived and watch the Knicks play the heat with no – Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, or, or Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler. That's yeah. like the worst possible scenario in a, in a realm in which I was so happy to to be you know thrown back into 1995 or whatever. Uh, I'm very very like I'm crossing my fingers, really hoping that everyone can pull through and and just tape it up and be out there to play. But in game one, it went kind of according to plan. I mean, there was there was some stretches here and there where Miami was up pretty big and the Knicks got up at times. Uh, but game one really came down to Jalen Brunson missing three pointers. Uh, so I think as a Knicks fan, if you were a Knicks fan, you would, you'd look at that game and you go, that's not a normal game. That's an outlier. Brunson's going to hit two, three, four of those threes. And then if you look at the score, if he hit three threes, three out of the seven, that's nine points. 
And then you have a, a you know, much closer, different game, potentially the Knicks walking away with a win. And I will say that they, the Knicks should have tried to capitalize on Jimmy's injury in that game 100%, but not having Julius is a big piece of that team. And I think Julius is going to have a, a, a pretty big role for this Knicks, for this Knicks team here because uh, he needs to be a scorer for them. And it's a lot different, a lot easier look for Julius against this Knicks team or against this heat team than it is against that Cavs team with all that length and all that size and all that depth on the, uh, uh, on the front court with, with those two big boys they have in Mobley and Allen. So Julius needs to be ready to go. Hopefully that'll be happening for him, but it, it is something that doesn't, it's not like a very recent injury. This is something that stems all the way back to the regular season. It's been a nagging problem for him. Uh, so I hope that he can play that Jalen can play and that Jimmy can play in this game and we'll have a pretty, you know, drag out match just like the old days. Well, let me go back on something I said. If if Miami doesn't have Jimmy Butler, then I'm definitely not taking. Miami. Yeah, right. <laughs> let's just let's just say that that's the only reason I'm taking it. And from from what I saw, Jimmy was walking around. He was getting coffee the other day. Yeah. He looked like he looked like he's fine. If anybody plays, I'm sure it's going to be Jimmy. I'm expecting Jimmy Butler to play. So maybe maybe he's not a hundred percent, but um, I'm expecting him to play. Yeah, I think. I mean, that's kind of just you know that's what we know him for. He's a tough guy. He's going to play through this shit. Uh, and I do expect him to be out there as well, as long as there's no ligament damage or anything like real, real bone bruise type of stuff on there, he'll be out there, he'll be playing and it might not be, you know, the quintessential 40 point Jimmy Butler game. He still ended up with 25 points in that game. Um, but, uh, the other thing I wanted to mention though, is RJ Barrett is looking really, really good right now. And I just want to, want to, I want to pat him on the ass, tap him on the head and just be like, dude, like good shit, man. It, it's one thing to... (laughs) It's one thing to be Zion or to be Jaw and, uh, you know, have all of these accolades come to you. But the guy that is always unsung in that draft is, is R.J. Barrett. And he went to a team in a franchise that was in turmoil, uh, even when he was drafted. They're in a much better spot right now with Tibbs and with the roster that they've built. Uh, and the Knicks fans had have, you know, at times booed the guy and wanted him gone, wanted him traded for other pieces, including Donovan Mitchell. Uh, but they just got to beat Donovan Mitchell in the last round and RJ Barrett was a huge component to that. So I just like that kid's tough. And that's, I mean, and that's another thing. Like, I, I just like, I really appreciate RJ Barrett and, and the work and the effort and the mentality that he has. So I, I, I'm hoping that this continues, this streak, this streak continues for him of good performances. He had a, had a big double double in that first game, even though they lost. So that big, big well, shout out to RJ. It's tough with the expectations of going to the Knicks. There's always going to be high expectations. And then being in trade rumors, literally your whole, since you've come into the NBA, always looking for something better. And this is the part about developing young, young talent. I mean, mean, he's always been talented. And if you look at, I mean, I mean, he's had a much better career than Zion, right? Can we, can we say has so far? He's played more games than Zion and Ja for sure. Right. Right. And I think, you know, these are, these are what makes good players is playing in these, these important situations in the playoffs. This is what turns your confidence around. This is what makes really good players. So I'm with you on this. I like RJ bear. The kid's still 22, bro, or 21, however old he is. He's a, he's a young buck. So I'm I'm with that. And Knicks fans, you need this young talent, man. You need guys like this that are going to develop. It's crazy because like some of the best players that we watch don't hit their prime till they're 30, 31 and stuff. Like let this kid develop and turn into a really good basketball player within a really good system. Let him get some reps under his belt, some playoff games. I, I think 
if the Knicks are going to do anything in the second round or moving forward, RJ Barrett has to be a huge part of it. It cannot just be, uh, it cannot just be Julius and Jalen and uh, something that we had mentioned, I think it was in our group chat or while we were watching the game, but like Obi Toppin has turned into this corner three Mm. guy, right? Knocking down three pointers, realizing that he's took 11. He took 11 threes in that game. What he hit, (laughs) what did he hit? He hit four, okay. which was definitely the best performance. Uh, the Knicks were seven of 34 for 20% from three. Again, another reason why there should be some hope here. Like even without Julius, they they still, you know, they just shot terribly. Yeah, you got to get scoring from somewhere, right? And may, ideally, you don't want Obi taking 11 threes a night. No, that's right? too many threes. <laughs> it's a little bit too many, but he's, again, his development and turning yeah. into not just some transition athlete right he's turning in he realizes that in order for me to participate and be a a functioning member on an nba team i need to learn how to shoot a three-pointer and he's taking them his confidence looks there and if he was four for 11 what is that it's 37 percent, 38 percent. like i'll take it right yeah that's that's totally fine for him and the and like you said the confidence to keep shooting mm -hmm. to 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 get to 11 three-point attempts is something he never would have done in the first year of his career, right? He would have stopped shooting after three or four of them. Would have, yeah. would have tried to do something and else. Tibbs would have pulled him. Tibbs right. would have been and like, so, "You're out of here." <laughs> and and he has been a kind of a revelation in Julius's absence throughout the season. Uh, I mean, I, I say that Julius played every single game until the injury took place. And like I think it was probably sixty-seven or seventy games. Did he play all eighty-two? No, he missed it because the ankle injury oh, the stopped one, him. Okay. He was going to be he was going to be the only All Star that was going to play every single game. He was on track to doing that um, this year. Uh, none of the all-stars this year played every game, zero. Interesting. Uh, so he would have been the guy that would have done it. And then, of course, the ankle happened. So now we're still we're still dealing with that. But I'm excited for the series because um, both of these teams have defensive mentalities, as we've talked about. Both of these teams are really fucking tough. And I just think it's going to be a slug, old-school 90s slugfest. And, uh, Who's you know, Jimmy going to pick on, you think? Who's who's well, who's going to be his Drew Holiday? No, this is the fun part is because the his best hope is Josh Hart, and Josh Hart is not you know he's he's probably two or three inches taller than Drew Holiday, and probably thirty and he 25, 30 pounds heavier, mm-hmm. uh, and and just loves it. Like he go ahead, like try and beat up on me. I don't give a shit. Uh-huh. And, and not to say that Drew is, is any different from the mentality standpoint, but it is, you know, metrics <laughs> come into play here when you're guarding Jimmy. Well, Butler. I also, I, he, they're going to see a lot. Uh, yeah, he's going to see RJ. He's going to see Obi. Uh, there's going to be some rotations. It, and I think they're, Tibbs is definitely going to do a better job of team defense on Jimmy Butler. That's for sure. Well, I mean, think about the two people that know each other the best. Tibbs knows Butler very well. Exactly. Butler knows Tibbs very well. Uh, I'm sure there's a mutual respect there, but like. That's going to be a little chess match between those two. Absolutely. There's yeah, no, that's another there. that's another facet of this series that's going to be so, so interesting. Because if there's one guy that knows how to game plan against Jimmy Butler, it should be Thibodeau, right? It should be him. And he should know, um, you know, he doesn't have to know the, the ins and outs of Miami Heat's offense, but I'm sure he knows that, you know, as well and has been watching game tape nonstop. But also just generally where Jimmy doesn't feel the most comfortable the ways to push him to feel a little uncomfortable on those pull-ups and, and forcing him to shoot more threes. I mean, the truth of the matter is he was unbelievable in the Bucks series, but you got to look at career statistics Mm -hmm. for a reason and say, let's, let's try to force him into more pull-up threes if we can. Yeah. That's what Milwaukee thought was a good, a good idea too. (laughs) until he just gets crazy. I think 
you know, going off of what you said about Obi, about taking those shots, it's funny because moving on to the next series, Boston and the Sixers, which was game one last night, and there is no Embiid. Uh, personally, I don't think, um, I mean, again, I don't know what a sprained knee is because I saw what happened with Kawhi, what's happening with Paul George. Now Joel Embiid has a sprained knee and they they upgraded it to like an LCL. I don't know what that is. I don't know what ligament that is, mm. but it sounds very serious. And what happened last night is they just bought Embiid a little more time. Personally, like I had, had a couple conversations. I don't think Embiid is healthy enough to play in this series. I think they're trying to, I mean, he looked healthy walking around last night, but I'm not sure he's ready to play playoff basketball. And what happened yesterday was just buying um, Philly a little more time. Now, so much time right there. Yeah. Going into this game, I took notes down. I'm like, look, no Embiid. Boston's going to have to be attacking the rim. They're going to have to dribble drive penetration. That's what I'm looking for. Obviously, big games from Tatum and Jalen Brown. And it's funny because in the first quarter, that's exactly what was happening. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, this is going to be great because they were they were just layup scoring. lines. Yeah. Layup lines. That's all. There was no, there was no rim protection for Philadelphia. Uh, Boston was just getting, I think they shot 70% going into halftime. And I think Philly wasn't far behind them at no, high fifties or low sixties, whatever it was, 57. it was. I think they shot 57%. Yeah. And we have, um, and we had a, a battle and a lot of things happened within that game though. Like, so my, my notes for Philly going into the game was, okay, to make up for the inefficiencies on defense with Tobias and Maxi and Harden, those three are going to have to have really big games. And I was leaning into Toby having a really big game. I yeah. wasn't expecting what Harden did. And what Harden did yesterday was just prove to us once again that this guy can still score buckets at an elite level whenever he wants. Now, there was issues. I think Doc Sund, uh, uh, Bazooka Joe yesterday. I think Doc out coach Bazooka Joe. I don't know what the fuck was happening in that fourth quarter. Um, and it's funny because I have written down in my notes, uh, Philly has no chance without Embiid. That's exactly what I said. And we proved them wrong. And this is what's happening with Boston, man. They've done this to us a lot. We talk about it often. Like they have these lapses where we, we, we don't know what the hell they're doing. What play, like, why wasn't Derek White in the game at the end there? Why, mm. like, what is going on with Boston? It's a little scary. So what I was saying about the shots, about OB taking those shots, is James Harden went into that game saying, I'm just shooting the ball. Like, I'm going to be the guy shooting the rock. And Tyrese Maxey has these moments when Harden's not necessarily in the game where he looks fearless and looks like he can score on anybody that he wants to. Now, the other question is, like, what the hell is P.J. Tucker doing? Like, what is his role on this team? I understand he's a screen. He can set screens, plays defense. But to play 37 minutes, not even take a shot, like mm. zeros across the board. Yeah. Um, I know he's a big part, I guess, of what they're doing. But if I'm a Boston Celtics fan, I'm a little nervous. Also, like Jalen Brown, not getting the shots in the fourth, not getting the rock, not taking the shots. Jason Tatum settling for some pretty weird threes. The the Brogdon outlet pass to Maxi at the Ugh. end there, the panic pass. Like oh my these God. are Drew. Did you not one look second at, on the shot clock as well? Hold it's that. Like, shit. Where are you? Why are you passing? Why are you? Who are you passing to? You got to let that thing fly, buddy. Oh, Drew, man. he gave it to Tyrese Maxey for the layup, like literally gave it to him. So those little lapses show me that like maybe these guys aren't ready for the next level. Maybe maybe it is time for for the Sixers to really make a move here. I still think Boston is better top to bottom player wise, but again, man, yeah. like. On paper, this shit does not matter in the playoffs. It really doesn't. It does not matter. It's who's going to show up, who's going to defend, and th that's just what it's about. 
And to take the the way that Harden silenced that Boston crowd, man. You see how quiet that shit got. You can hear a tough two drive. nights for Boston, man. Tough two with nights. The Bruins with the Bruins and whatnot. Yeah, the Bruins. Same arena. Same was building. it the same? Same building. Same building, bro. It's uh, tough. So, what's your takeaway from that game? I mean, a, a hardened yeah. forty-five piece. He looked physically like really good. I thought he was fishing for those fouls like he normally does a little bit. I was I was concerned. I thought Boston was going to shoot their way back into this game and pull it out, being that they are at home and whatnot. There was forty-three ball screens on Horford to get the matchups that mm. that Harden wanted right so they were that's where doc is is coaching this like making sure that Horford gets pulled out on Harden and 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 get the matchup that he wants coaching is a big part of this shit in the playoffs man you know this and we're going to get into Phoenix and shit in, in a little bit but what was your takeaway from from at least game one yeah you I mean you nailed it right it's it, there's two things this is a Harden legacy game Mm-hmm. This is one that he'll be able to look back on. All of us will be able to look back on and go like, oh, shit, that's right. We we always undervalued James James Harden's level of production in Houston all those years. But I think we were right in being a little dissatisfied with watching the production. But the production was certainly there, and that's undeniable. And this is a legacy performance from 45 points when in, at the end of last year, he wouldn't, he wouldn't shoot the ball in the second half. Right? Remember that? Right. We were saying it's time to retire. We were yeah. saying we were saying who the hell who who wants this guy? Mm-hmm. So I first I need to congratulate James Harden and tap him on the ass because that was the thing that I asked at the end of last season was like let's refocus here, right? Let's do an off season where you okay, I, it's James Harden. I'm not expecting him to like lose 30 pounds and show up looking, you know, like he can run a marathon in a drop of a hat. I still expect him to go to Las Vegas, which he was in this week. He was in Las Vegas prior slapping somebody across the face, according to TMZ prior to this series, even starting, which is crazy. Cause he flew, I mean, he flew from Philly to Vegas and then Vegas to Boston, which is like I, insane. And then he goes ahead and drops 45. I would say, let's get him a casino right now. Like if I'm doc, let's find the nearest there's casinos in, in Massachusetts. Let's get him in a casino. Let's get him in the good spots here. Atlantic city, not too far away. Um, because you know, that's, that's incredible. And then the second thing you touched on is, is coaching, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's rare in the playoffs that we can say that doc rivers outcoached. Mm. Whoever the hell he was, you don't think that hurts me. Against. You don't think that hurts oh, no, to I say it. I did. It does. But it's it's a it's a true thing, right? It very rarely does Doc Rivers outcoach uh, his opponent in the opposition coach. But this, to me, is where I would I you know fuck man. I think they probably should have reevaluated letting Ime go. Right? The suspension is one thing, but maybe keep him on the books until you go through a pro season with this new coach, this thirty four year old head coach. Uh, before you just go ahead and let Ime just ship off to wherever the hell he wants to go. Let's watch him do a postseason first here. This is the thing that struck me the most is, is the offense and the lack of offense mm-hmm. from the Celtics, right? First half, by the way, really good basketball. I mean, yeah. shot after shot, just it great. falling. It was so entertaining at 66, 63 at half. I think it was. And they, it was awesome. Great high level basketball. Right. And I have no problems with what the Celtics were doing out there and with what the, the Sixers were doing out there, minus the Celtics, not uh, being urgent on the defensive end. They were not urgent enough on the defensive end. They should have had a 10, 15 point lead going into halftime, but look in beads out. I think they all took a sigh of relief and said, cool, we're going to take game one. Right. Like let, let's just be real. They got the news. No Embiid. Even I think Horford actually even said it. Uh, we kind of just, you know, 
relaxed a little bit once can't we do that. that. No, can't do that. No. But the, the second thing is fourth quarter offense. I want to blame Joe Maz, Bazooka Joe, for not implementing more of an offensive scheme but he can't dribble the ball out there for him. I do think this was a problem with the players on the court, just as much as it was a lack of direction from Joe Maz, because uh, Tatum time and time again, just like running the clock out, Mm -hmm. Brown pulling the ball out like they've already won the game with two minutes left. He's pulling the ball. He had a fast break layup, could have gone and forced the issue. Lack of urgency from Jalen Brown. I don't know, maybe he's thinking that he doesn't want to get hurt right now or hurt, hurt in the last portion of this first game because he's already banged up like he is uh marcus smart was the only one with any balls and that you know that shines through but he was that can hurt you too it can hurt you too he was taking it to the rack he got like two and ones two or three and ones in that fourth quarter he was the only guy doing anything offensively um and so it's just one of those things where i i want to blame most of it on on bazooka joe missoula for not really impressing upon his team to like not relax here in this fourth the game is still close the game is still within our their reach the Sixers reach and we need to close the fucking door and then the second part is none of the players felt that on their own right just like we're talking about that's a problem just like we're talking about with Giannis like just saying no fuck this I'm taking I don't care what coach says I'm taking Jimmy Butler that has to be implemented for these Celtics too and we saw that in the series against the Hawks they don't have that right now and I don't know what it is that they need to do to to get that back but it is something that they've had in the past and that's where I think somebody like Ime Udoka really makes a big difference. Uh, I don't know how how accountable Joe Maz can keep these guys versus the way that Ime was able to do it, right? Ime's got a lot more pedigree, a lot more experience, and can bring the tough, like kind of bring the hammer down when they need to, and they seem to listen. But uh, just an absolute terrible performance from the fourth quarter. Really, not the whole fourth quarter, but th- those last waning minutes. And then, and then, of course, the game, to me, really did come down to a huge call, right? The block call, the block charge call on Tyrese Maxey. It's like uh, whatever, three minutes left, something like that in the fourth quarter. He goes up for a layup, goes right around Horford again. Another another screen mm-hmm. to get Horford yep. on a ball handler worked beautifully. Uh, goes right around him, gets him right to the rack, and Marcus Smart slides way in there, takes the charge, and that's you know that's a fucking flip of, flip of the coin, right? Like, and I think the most interesting piece of that moment was the two refs had. They split it, right? That's what it was. Courtney Alexander had a charge. And then the guy on the baseline, who I can't remember his name, had the block. Uh, and that guy on the baseline was the one who said, let's, I, you can read lips when they were talking there, right before they went to review, he says, let's make the call on the floor mm-hmm. a block. And I don't know how that decision was made, but that right there was a very important decision. He's the crew chief, probably. If the call on the floor mm-hmm. is a charge, I wonder how that goes, right? Because it was Maxie's, uh, would have been Maxie's sixth foul. He's out of the game. Uh, and and obviously he's a huge, huge part of this team, especially with no beat. Yeah. He's out of the game. And then the Boston, Boston retains the four-point lead, has an opportunity to stretch it to six or seven coming down with the ball with two minutes remaining on the game. That was the deciding factor of the game. And not enough to me is being made about that decision. Right. Not not looking at the tape and going, OK, and may, who knows, maybe the result is the same. Maybe they still rule it. They go to the tape. They go, oh, no, it's not a charge. You think they should have gone to the tape if they could? They did. Go to the challenge- tape. They did. They went to the tape. Right. But but the point that I'm making is before they went to the tape, they mm-hmm. had to agree what was the actual call on right. the floor. 
Because you can't change. Yeah, you have yeah. to have a call on the floor, and then right. so that you can then review something. And mm -hmm. I don't think enough has been been made about that and why that decision was made like that. Turns out, I actually I tend to think it, they made the right call. I think Marcus was a little late. I think Maxi had elevated, and Marcus was still leaning. But the problem with going to the review in that moment and looking at it like that is how many block charges were called during the course of that game where another player was leaning or late or early. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that splitting hairs sucks, but that was the biggest call of this game. And that determined uh, was, was the determining factor as to getting uh, Philly back into the, into the game and allowing them to actually go away with the win. But the, the last two minutes was, was really, really interesting and, and poor, poor play across the board. You I mean, the, the final play for Boston was ridiculous. Well, no, even even like going all the way back after that possession, everything was chaos. After that mm -hmm. thing happened, you have the you have the Brogdon thrown away to, to Maxi. Uh, and, you have, and the shot clock should have ended, by the way, right? The, somebody blew their job on that. But I think that was actually good. I and, and I, Ryan Rossillo came out this, I think, today and said that 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 should always be the rule. And it never, almost never is when the shot clock goes, like I I'm pretty sure Maxi had the ball in his hands when the mm. shot clock went. Mm. So I, I appreciate the refs allowing that to happen. Cause that I think is the right intention of the rule is like, okay, there's a shot clock violation, but it shouldn't be Maxi's fault that he caught the ball in his half and was able to run uncontested for a layup. So you have that play. And then you have um, uh, Tobias Harris, just, just wildly fouling. Jason Tatum on like one of the worst defensive plays possible. I mean, I understand that you need him. You don't want him to make a layup there uh, and you want him to earn the free throws, but I mean, holy shit, that was bad. And so Tatum makes the free throws. And then of course we do get Harden's incredible step back. I don't have a problem with the, uh, the fact that they left Horford on an Island, right? It's not like they left somebody non Horford on an Island. Horford's a good fucking defender. He's great. Uh, and, and did well, I think in that moment, I mean, he did as well as anybody else probably would have uh, in that moment, defending James Harden step back, just Harden, Harden absolutely drained it. And then you have Marcus smart who, and the very last play after being aggressive and, 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 and making these layups and getting fouled and going to the line for three point plays decides not to take the layup and, and tries to like, I don't know, shovel pass it to Tatum and then also like fall into him mm -hmm. tragedy for Marcus smart. I, I do feel bad about that because I think he should have just gone for the fucking layup. They probably yeah. would have given him a foul or they had Tatum and others in, in good rebounding position to take advantage of it. But it brings me to my last thing here. You talked about PJ Tucker, uh, Zero field goal attempts and zero free throw attempts in 37 minutes is the most minutes played without a field goal or a free throw in a playoff game in the shot clock era since the 1955 NBA season. The reason he's out there, it's one reason. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll actually give him two. One reason being defense, right? The second is because he knows how to play with James Harden. And the second stat I have for you is in the last 10 seasons, James Harden has hit 1,033 step backs in the, in the manner in which he delivered that closeout game. So there's no surprise. 1,033. The next highest, by the way, is Luca with 651. So shout out to Luca. That's 10 seasons we're going back. He's already halfway to more than halfway to Harden. And I think going off that, James Harden took 12 middies, mid range. He never takes mid range shots, right? So, really quick though, I think. Harden without Embiid, right? So Houston Harden was a different kind of beast, right? This is where 
He, you know, scored his most amount of points. This guy was extremely lethal. And then Russ gets there and there's another guy that's there. Russ and CP are there. You kind of got to, you know, not enough balls to go around. And then you go to Brooklyn where there's KD and Kyrie. And then you go to Philly where there's Embiid. So you're, you're not necessarily the main focal point. But then when you get to this point in the playoffs where it's like, shit, I'm the man again, right? They need me to be Houston Harden. That's right. He can do that, right? So he was leading the league in assists because he had to. He's playing with all these other different guys. He knows how to score buckets, man, and he can do this. Do I think he can do 45 every single night? I think he could, actually. He could. I mean, if yeah. he's going to be the- – Why not? If he, if he, I mean, look, right. he's done it forever, and, and he knows the recipe, and it's not taxing on him. Right. It's not. He gets to take his time mm-hmm. and wait and pick his moments and cross, 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 cross. Okay, good. Now I got you. And, oh, you're with me? Okay, step back. Oh, I got you? I'll lay up or, or alley-oop to somebody, and it's not Embiid right now. But I still – I just can't believe – that was the last thing I thought was going to happen. Just like the Celtics, just like everybody else in the world, no Embiid. It's like, ah, oh, shit. Do I even need to watch this? Do I even right. need to watch this game? Right. And the answer was, yeah, you, you, you did because you missed. If you didn't, you missed a historic Harden. Shout out to Paul Reed though, too. I yes, uh, the guy that backed up Embiid and and went in there, did his goddamn job. Thirteen boards, ten to thirteen center. Yeah, four hit, huge hit, free throws, huge, huge free throws. E- enormous free throws in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter. Uh, so yeah, big shout out to Paul. And uh, look, uh, Embiid won't play in game two. No, I'll tell you that much. He, he's yeah. not going to be playing in game two. Mm-hmm. Boston's going to have to earn that one also before they even get Embiid on the floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here we are, you know, begging the Celtics to beat the Hawks so that we can get to this series sooner. And guess what? Didn't fucking matter at all. <laughs> and so we're moving to the West, though, really quick. I was really excited for the for this Suns Nuggets series. I had alluded to it on the last show that, you know, we got to see Booker and KD just dismantle the Clippers offensively. They've been playing a lot of minutes. Uh, Booker has been on a on a tear along with yeah. KD. And it's kind of easy to talk about the series now that the Nuggets are up 2-0 and like we yeah. can make we can make our picks and whatnot. But I was I was adamant about like I think Phoenix is going to be exposed and exposed, meaning that like they are they don't have the depth. We can all agree on this. There was a point last night during the game where it was ish Wainwright, Dylan Brooks, Dylan Brooks. I can't wait to Devin talk Booker. about Dylan. That's like <laughs> Devin Booker. Thank you. Uh, campaign, Tory Craig and Bismack Biombo. And I'm looking at that and I'm like, okay, well that five isn't going to do shit. Like what, what, what kind of lineup is that? Right. And uh, Denver, there has to be something to be said, even for Boston, like teams that have played together and been through the battles yeah. together, uh, you know, drafting together, being having this chemistry that that Denver does have. A lot of these guys, and yes, I understand that Jamal Murray hasn't played for two years, but Jamal Murray's still at practice, still talking to the players, still in the in the in the weight yeah, room, still, still in, the, in the film still room for sure. Right? Yeah, Michael Porter, like guys, these guys have have played together for a while. Boston the same way, you know. Even go obviously Golden State. How long these guys have been playing? There's a, there's a chemistry and a trust issue that comes with being successful in the playoffs. Joker is probably super stoked that, that Murray is finally playing right. And Joker, I mean, except for game two, but yeah, go ahead. Well, like KD (laughs) had an off night last night. He was off and shooting. Uh, That's a, that's obviously a big part of their whole offense. Now it was just his three point shooting. He was two of 12 from three. And that's, that's something that you just never, you never see him do that. You don't expect it from him, but like 88% of their points were from their starters last night. They're getting (laughs) nothing from the bench. 
And then like clockwork, Chris, and I, and I feel bad, man. Chris Paul went out with a, with a groin injury and groin, as you know, as men and professional athletes, you're not playing in the next game. He looked frustrated. He looked pissed off. He looked defeated because he says to himself, like, how is this happening again? Right. And, and if you're going to rely on campaign to be your starting guy, look, I, I thought it was funny going into the, the Clippers series. I thought Damian Lee was going to be the killer for them. Like, I'm like, oh, this guy's going to mm. be the guy that torches us. And he it would definitely barely even got any minutes. And then uh, campaign got some minutes last night. He was ineffective, but the shooting was horrible. Not for Devin Booker, for everybody else. D book was still just like a, a flamethrower. Like this guy is on another level right now, offensively, but it's not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough for these guys. Joker's picking his spots. He owns DeAndre Ayton. He can go big. He can go small. He's got the nothing sexy about his game. He can, uh, there was a point in the game where I think KD was guarding him and he's like, dude, get, just get off of me. <laughs> like you, you can't guard me either. Right. Um, I think it's funny in my notes, uh, and tell me if I'm wrong, Drew, but like, you know, we have, we have all of these stats, right? Like we have PER, we have true shooting, we have uses percentage, we have win shares, we have uh player impact estimates, like all these advanced analytics. I'm coming up with my new one, Drew. Uh -oh. I'm going to petition it to the players association. I'm going to send it to Adam Silver, but I have a new one. It's going to be a new percentage. I haven't figured out the math yet. Maybe you can help me out on this, but it's going to be the BAR. You know what the BAR is? Bitching at refs percentage. That's it's listen, man. The bitching at refs percentage. I want to know how many times a game certain players are bitching at the refs. Because when you're bitching at the refs, you're 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 not getting back on defense. You're not getting back on offense. You're you're putting your team at a disadvantage. I saw Devin Booker do it a lot last night. You're not getting back on defense because you're too busy putting your arms in the air, looking at the crowd, looking at the coach, looking at the ref, talking and bitching. I want to figure out the math. I want to see what the BAR translates into turnover, like points off of turnovers. It's the same mm. thing. Kind of want to figure out the math on it. What do you think? Do you think it's it can work? I think it can work. I think you're gonna have to track a lot. I think I mean that's gonna be a lot of. I mean, Ed, that's every that's every call. I mean, somebody's bitching, you know, around the league. Somebody's do you agree bitching with me though? Like play. the time the time you spend bitching at oh, the yeah. refs, though, you're yes. not getting back on defense. This happens with Luca all season. Yeah, I, I think it is. It's one of those things where uh, NBA players get so caught up in the fact that they missed the shot. And the fact that they thought they were fouled, that they just they can't let it go. Right. And I understand that. I mean, I've been in games where it's it's highly emotional and you're and, you know, you're making a great play out there and you take a nice shot and you and you get fouled. You think you get fouled and the refs, there's no whistle coming. So, like, I understand when the stakes are that high and the emotions are that high, you can let that get the best of you. I mean, look, Draymond Green could write a dissertation on it, but uh, it cannot prevent you from running back. It, 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 in the in the playoffs especially it cannot prevent you from running back in a close game and dude i mean look it, in in my years of playing every time we had a, a moment where i if i did that or one of my teammates did that and this is throughout my career uh short-lived career with all my coaches that player is pulled that right. player is pulled immediately or it's, it's a timeout and that fucker is sitting down next to the coach yeah because he doesn't understand what he did. And I don't know, maybe it's the AAU of it all. Uh, can't but, do it to you know, Devin Booker, bro. You need Booker's points. No, and, well, and you can't sit Booker because they, who, who's, who's Damian Lee's coming in. Okay, great. Like, you know, it's not, it's not the best option. So you're do not you going to agree. Do, that to do Booker, you agree but. with me though, that like there's uh, Phoenix just doesn't have enough and I could yeah. be totally wrong, 
But when you look at the bench, when you look at the productivity, and yes, yeah. Denver's at home, right? But you look at the Bruce Browns, you look at the Uncle Jeffs, you look at the Christian yep. Browns, you look at the KCP who won the game for them yep. last night, who's been in big games, in championship games. He hit big shots. Uh, the bench is better. The bench for oh, yeah. one for one through twelve is better than Phoenix, and you you've been riding the Booker and the and the Durant horse long enough like you they're not going to they're not going to score 140 points a game to beat these guys so you need production from somewhere else and the loss of chris paul is huge for them that's that's the death knell for this team on this podcast i said they cannot lose paul booker ayton or of course kevin durant if they're going to do anything as far as like get to the finals get to the western conference finals and they did and and cp's whatever 37 38 years i don't know how old he is right now uh, he's not playing in the next game. No, there's no way. And, and more likely than not, he will be out pretty extended period of time here. Do you feel bad for him? Like I do. I desperately feel bad for him. Yeah, me too. I do. Uh, but I will also note that he's not playing great. Right. right. Like even before the injury, not the best version of CP. Right. Uh, I mean, and I, I understand like, you know, time is a time. <laughs> Time catches us all, right? Like there's only so many years you got to play. And and I hope it doesn't, I hope he doesn't go out like this. I hope it's not something really bad. Uh that could be, you know, season ending. Like I want to see him back in a series because I, as a fan, like we're talking about, I want to see Chris Paul on that floor exploiting the drop coverage from Nikola Jokic and getting to that elbow jumper. I I truly feel like if the Suns are going to beat this Nuggets team, it's him doing that in a pick and roll with DeAndre Ayton that gets him over the hump because Devin Booker and KD can only do so much. The thing that I continue to like, I, what happened to TJ Warren? Where, why is he on the bench? What Why'd happened you to Terrence Ross? Phone? Yes. T like, Ross. What, 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 why did they get these guys? Why I don't get it. I mean, I like I'm TJ had uh, an illness in earlier in 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 April. Uh, what? Why did you trade for? The, why is he here? Like, what? Right. You had the option to trade for and include other pieces in this Kevin Durant trade, and you didn't. And I just don't get it. I, I'm I Royce O'Neal. Like, I d- Brooklyn has so many wings. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you gave them two more, obviously, right? Because you were getting Kevin, but you took Mac TJ Warren. Okay, cool. Is can he not play? Does he not speak English anymore? Like you can't communicate with TJ Warren anymore. <laughs> Terrence Ross is—he was a twenty points per game guy in Orlando. Right. He, he can't help you at all. I just so that part is it, very confusing to me. Coaching again, uh, though, right? Comes down to coaching. I mean, right? coaching uh, and and maybe a disconnect between uh, James Jones, the GM, and the head coach, Monty Monty Williams, as to like who who they should bring Kevin Durant with. I mean, shit, I would have loved to just bring KD and let's keep as much of this shit as we can over here, uh, and not bring in TJ Warren. Right? Like, can we keep Cam Johnson? Right? <laughs> can can well, we so keep? There- but but that that to me still blows my mind. Clips is I just don't I don't understand what happened there and why these guys are not being trusted to put in minutes when they clearly need depth and they clearly need more scoring. Uh, going back to game one, that shit was a walk in the park. That was a Denver stroll through the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you know there was nothing there. Phoenix offered nothing, no fight. Uh, you know, I guess maybe at times it got a little, a little tight. The first quarter was pretty good. And then Denver wiped them off the floor in the second quarter was never the same after that. 
Uh, and and I do want to shout out Jamal Murray in that game and mm. Aaron Gordon in that game. Aaron mm. Gordon just on a heater. Uh, couldn't reproduce it in game two, but he didn't need it. Uh, here's the weird part. I actually think the game plan that Phoenix rolled out in game two is what will win them the series if they, in fact, get over the hump. I don't, I'm not picking them by any means. I'm picking Denver all the way. And like I said earlier, if there's going to be a sweep, it's going to be this one. <laughs> because if Chris Paul can't get back on the floor in the next two games, Whew. they're going to be in real trouble. But I think this game plan worked quite well for Phoenix, if you think about it. Nuggets only scored 97 points. Jokic had 40 of them. He had 39 points, right? And nobody else was really doing anything, right? Including Jamal Murray having probably the worst game he's going to have in this series. And you can't capitalize on that. Mm -hmm. You can't fucking get over the hump on that. You only score 87 points for the Phoenix Suns. Like that's to me, that's the, that's the game plan kind of working. And then everyone falling way, way short. And in stark contrast, to that first game that we retreated to where the Celtics and the Sixers were just making shots left and right. This one was about as ugly as it got in the playoffs thus far, as far as just like a brick fest, both teams just laying bricks, building houses out there. Uh, and I just want to go through and, and share with you like the actual uh, percentages we were dealing with in, in, in this game too. So the Phoenix Suns in game two shot a total of 40% from the field. 19% from three mm. and the, and the Denver nuggets, not much 47% from the field, not good. 26% from three. Sounds so better than ugly, 19. This is an ugly ass game, man. It is. And, you want to know why though? I think Phoenix was, they were really aggressive on defense at least like yeah. for what they were. That's what I'm saying. Doing I, on... I think they, their game plan was working. <laughs> right. I do think though, that like in the playoffs of Phoenix is going to go eight deep, right? So yeah. there's six, seven, eight is Jacques Landell, Bismack Biombo, and Damian Lee. There has to be a point to where you're actually yeah. like, all right, I saw TJ Warren drop 50 in the bubble. This guy's got it. Like we need buckets. I've seen Terrence Ross drop 50, right? I think he has a 50 piece at some yeah, I point. I think he does have a 50 piece. And you need, there need, there has to be a time where you like let somebody else get off. Katie's, I'm not saying pull KD. I'm no. saying his shot ain't falling, but we need to get buckets elsewhere. And yeah. that's a Monty Williams thing. He he needs to give these guys some burn or they're going to get swept, Drew. Yes. And I, 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 I do think that there needs to also probably be like some, some minutes without Aiden on the court. Mm -hmm. And, and I, what I mean by that is like, just, just go small and switch some shit up on Denver. Right. Let's just, let's, I know that Jokic is going to cook, but guess what? He's cooking whether Aiden's out there or not. Like it, it's irrelevant. So let's give them a different look, right? Let's run Katie at the five for, mm -hmm. for three minutes, three minutes. Give me Katie at the five and let's run with some guards and let's see if we can just like, I don't know, fuck them up a little bit, run some sort of zone on defense and, and, and switch it up on offense. But um, yeah, this is going to be going down with the ship. Look, I, the thing, that what do you think that means though? I mean, these guys, these guys, again, mortgage their, their franchise to get KD there. Exactly <laughs> what I was going to get into. Okay. Sorry. I think next year is the year that we look at Phoenix. Okay. They get a full off season to go. All right. Who are we keeping? Who do we need to bring in? Uh, and, and like, can we, how, how many of these players do we actually trust? Cause right now the answer is like eight. Right, like you said, and really it's like Landell's, I don't know if they trust him or not. No. So it's like seven. Uh, uh, but look, we, in the past, we've seen campaign when given these opportunities have at moments, incredible performances. And he's coming off injury. He is, mm -hmm. but he has done this in the playoffs for this team. So I'm not going to just completely count him out. 
and I will say the last thing too, we talk a little bit about the uh, altitude. Those boys were huffing and puffing. The Phoenix Suns, I mean, obviously Booker and, and Kevin were playing all the minutes, but that is exhausting when you're when you're adding all that 12,000 feet or whatever the hell it is, how high in the air they are. So we'll see what it looks like down at sea level in Phoenix. And maybe they can maybe they can rally. But That's- look, dude, we're we're one game away from going 3-0 here, and, and no one comes back from 3-0, especially without Chris Paul. So it's it does look like the sun is setting in the valley. You know, just to let you know, it's it's great. Two two things. Breaking news. Joel Embiid has been named MVP. So Embiid is MVP. Is just oh happened right now. Uh, congratulations good, to Joel. Good job, Joel. Are you happy now, Joel? All right. You wore your lucky pants last night. He was wearing the Gavinci pants last night, which was a <laughs> horrible call, even though I'm not a fashion fashionista by any way, by any means. But yeah. uh, he got the MVP and Brunson and Randall will be playing in game two in 20 minutes so they are playing tonight in no, game Hemi? two Hemi, uh, Hemi, i don't Hemi. have that okay. right i don't have that right now that's just what popped up um you're definitely correct on the sun setting on phoenix and it's yeah. going to be really disappointing if that happens because what we're seeing from booker has been absolutely just incredible what this guy is doing but i do as much as we're saying that cp hasn't had the greatest series and he's not the same CP. He's not, but he hasn't been bad. He is a very huge part uh, of this team. I don't think he's been bad, Drew. I mean, he's shooting at a pretty high clip from his spots, right? Those 15 footers. What uh, he is doing is he's shying away from the three. He doesn't want to take the three anymore. No. Yeah. He, the legs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, I, look, I dude, he had 11 points in game one. He had eight points before he got the injury in game two. I think he was actually starting to pick them apart a little bit mm-hmm. in the second half. He was getting to those, like I was saying, get to those elbow spots. Can we be, is it safe to say that no CP, there's no, there's no way Phoenix wins this series or goes on to win a championship. You're not going to oh, win a 100%. chip. When, okay. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. I think, I think there's a, ch- there's a chance they win a game. Yes. Right? A chance to win a game without Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, shit. There's a chance that, I mean, we've seen crazy fucking things happen already. This postseason. There's a chance to right. win a couple games. But there's no way they're going to advance out of this series without Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton all being healthy and available. Uh, that's, I mean, that's as clean as it gets. I know my predictions thus far have not been stellar, <laughs> my, my, uh, as most of us. What do have. we know, bro? Most what of do us we have know? Been whiffing on this, but I can tell you this: I would bet the house. I bet this house I'm in right now that the, if Chris Paul's out for the rest of this series, the Nuggets are beating the Suns. I don't care how many games it takes. I'll double. I'll double down on that with you. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, we're going to now talk about the most important series to me it's time. and the most important series in historical referencing as well. Like it's the it's the inevitability of Steph Curry against LeBron James. Once again, this is the series we've all been waiting for. This is this is an Adam Silver NBA fan wet dream, right? This is this is what we wanted. This is once again, we're seeing two guys at the peak of their careers at in, at an older age. We got a 38 and a 35 year old Steph Curry's coming off of. One of the greatest games we've ever seen. So before we even talk about that, let's just give some props really quick to Sacramento yes. and the fight that they put up and light the beam. Unfortunately, you got curried. You know, you got curried. It was a it was it was a great shot. You guys uh, you have a foundation lit, laid for the for the future. Uh, you know, if the Fox injury doesn't happen, I don't know. You were up. If Harrison 2-0. Barnes hits that shot, you right. know, at the end of whatever the game three, I think it was game three. If he hits that. Yeah, but Drew, if ifs were a fifth, we'd all be drunk, right? There like that's just that's just it is. it is what it is. 
Sacramento. It was great. I thought the way Steph Curry did that 50 point game, look in that game, it was a tug of war, right? In that Sacramento game, game seven, it was a tug of war up until when Steph Curry hit that, that one where he fell on the ground, the little layup in the lane. And then he, he fell on the ground, the circus shot and he had to lay down because he was beat. But I, as soon as he hit that, I'm like, yeah, it's a wrap. Again, these people have been there before. Experience means something. Experience means a lot. Playing together, going in the trenches, being in foxholes with dudes for 10 years, you know, realizing when Steph isn't or when Clay isn't hitting shots and Wiggy isn't hitting shots, that fuck, man, I maybe I got to be that guy that drops 50 tonight. And he did in theatrical, in a very theatrical way. And it was brilliant. It was awesome. It's going to get people to start talking about the GOAT talk all you want. If you want to say Steph Curry's the greatest point guard of all time, cool. I'm fine with it. Mm. I'm fine with it. I'm, I'm, I'm totally cool with it. And hopefully this summer you and I will have discussions during the offseason with our listeners and whatnot about that. Because he's gone up a notch, yeah. which we think, you know, it's just something, something super special about Steph Curry and generational and you know with this team in general like these guys are here again right they've had they had a really bad year couldn't play on the road couldn't win on the road then you go to a game seven in the most hostile environment with the greatest fans probably in nba basketball and win a game that way it's wild um so shout out to the kings but we got to move forward you know, we got to go, we got to move forward to the Lakers. We got Lakers, we got Steph, we got LeBron and I get it, man. It's in the lights. That's what everybody's going to talk about. It's going to be talking about LeBron versus Steph. And I get it. That's what's going to make people watch the games. That's going to be what fans are going to watch the games. If you thought they watched a lot of games, Sacramento versus Golden State, just wait till Laker nation and warrior <laughs> nation gets involved in this. Right? So I see the lights. I see uh, the commercials that are going to happen, but me, I don't think this game's going to be one in the lights. I think this game's going to be won in subplots and X factors. I really do. This is where I see that, like, it's not going to, I mean, obviously Steph and LeBron are going to be huge parts of it, but from the Lakers stand, and look, we don't need to mention how important Anthony Davis is going to be for this series. You can, and that's fine. You can go in deep on it. We know that if AD doesn't show up, then the Lakers are going to have a really hard time on this. But I'm saying as far as Golden State goes, Andrew Wiggins was huge last year and he hasn't been great in these playoff series. I'm expecting this guy to, 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 to have a, a few good games. I'm looking at players like Gary Payton jr. And I'm looking at players like Jonathan Kaminga. And the only reason I'm talking about that is because they're going to need bodies to throw at LeBron. Right. And I think Kuminga athleticism, the one thing the guy likes to do is play defense. Right. And you're going to need six fouls and you need somebody other than Draymond that's going to and Wiggins. that's going to get on LeBron, foul him, touch him, make him feel something. Right. And Kuminga might even get some some AD work. I don't know. The Gary Payton Jr. fix for me defensively is the guy that I just keep seeing that's going to be on Austin Reeves at times. That's going to frustrate the living hell out of Austin. And Austin likes physicality. I know he does, but I just, I think this game, this series is going to be won with the X factors into the Lakers side, like the Rui, the Austin, the Schroeder, the fucking D'Lo. Like these are the guys that are going to have to show up for the Lakers to, uh, to make this a series. I, I I'm expecting big things from, from Steph. I'm expecting big things from Clay. Clay had mentioned he can't wait to play at home in front of his best friends. I'm expecting, and we know his friends, right? <laughs> we know the guys that are going to be at the games. I'm expecting Clay to have a much better series, but I, I, I think it's going to be one with the others. And I think there's going to be some games where um, I'm not so sure. Like Rui hasn't been there. Austin hasn't been there. D'Lo hasn't really been there. 
And these Warriors teams, these guys have been there before. They've been in the trenches. They played together. I think experience is going to out outmatch the talent. And so from my personal point of view, um, as much as I want LeBron to win another chip and just to, to, to hang that hat on this fucking career that looks like a CVS receipt <laughs> of all the awards, same thing going for, for, for Steph Curry. Um, the one thing that I'm sorry, Drew, before you get into it, the one thing, and I want you to touch on this when, when we pass it to you, one thing that's concerning for me, and I'd want to ask our boy, Jeff Crompton about it. But is the bromance between Draymond and LeBron going to be a factor? Is this going to make Draymond not be Draymond? You know, is it is is there is this going to be hugs and kisses? You know, because Draymond doesn't have respect for Sabonis anymore because he didn't shake his hand after the game. And I'm like, bro, I wouldn't shake your hand either. You stomped me out, bro. You beat me down. Why would I shake your hand? And that turned out to be a lie because he didn't shake Tristan Thompson's hand either. And that came out to bite him in the ass. So I want you to touch on your feelings on the series. Am I right about the others? Uh, what do you think, man? Well, yeah, man, I definitely think the supporting cast will be a deciding factor for a lot of these games. Uh, but I actually, I view the heavyweights in this matchup as not being Stephen LeBron, but being Stephen Anthony Davis. The Lakers have to go through Anthony Davis in order for us to win this series. LeBron is conserving energy. I mean, I don't. He's a little lucky we didn't do a podcast after Game Five of the of the Grizzlies series. Uh, you know, he still scored 15 points, had 10 rebounds, five assists, one of nine from three. I think he had seven or eight turnovers in that game. Like it, he is, um, you know, we talk about Chris Paul. LeBron is also very much in that same realm right now. And 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 you know, look. I wouldn't put it past the fact that he's playing banged up or hurt. And Lord knows if we lose, he'll let us know what's hurting him. Uh, <laughs> but it too many times in that first round, he was just resting out there, picking his moments to, okay, now I'll maybe now I'll go by Xavier Tillman. But it worked, right? I mean, it did work in the end. Um, yeah, I sure. Yeah, we were better, we're better than the Grizzlies, though. Yeah. I mean, that's the truth is we're just they don't have their full roster and, and we do. And we should have we should have beat that team. I think regular season record doesn't reflect our new roster. Right. Like, I think if we just especially if you look at our record after we made the trades, we were, I think, the best record in the NBA or second best record in the West, something like that. So regular season is a, is a false standardization for what this Lakers team is, because we're a whole new team after that trade happened. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, okay. First thing, Anthony Davis cannot have uh, the 12.9 rebound output here. Cannot. Uh, they have nothing for Anthony Davis. It showed up in the regular season, uh, times that we played the Warriors. They, it, Kevon Looney is, is great. And I will not put anything past this man. He will show some Herculean effort again in this series. And there will be moments where I'm like, how the fuck is Looney doing this? to Anthony Davis. How is he getting this rebound? All those things will happen because Looney is one of those X factors. Like you talked about, that mm -hmm. is a huge deciding factor for this series. However, Anthony Davis needs to drop like 25 and 12 every night. And there's gotta be a couple where he goes 30, 35, 40 points because we, we have to dominate the paint. So the second thing is I think Steph Curry is probably the greatest offensive player we've ever seen. That performance in game seven is awesome. I, I, I just I, I could watch that game over and over again. 
the play where he just dribbles through all of the Kings and then makes the layup at the end. Can I give uh, you a stat real quick? Yeah, please. Sure. 374 dribbles and only one turnover in game seven. That's wild. Who counts the dribbles too? What interns counting the dribbles? Oh, that's a tough job. He's got to have the clicker going. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe AI is helping out with that, but uh, not Allen Iverson, but no. uh, uh, you know, artificial intelligence, you know, the Terminator. But uh, I have the utmost respect for Steph Curry, and I absolutely, we have no answers for him, which is why Anthony Davis has to be the most dominant player for the Lakers. We have to have to run through him, play through him, get him in the post, get him to the free throw line. Because Steph's going to do whatever the fuck he wants. He's going to do whatever the fuck he wants. We have nothing, right? We can throw Vanderbilt on him. We can throw all these other guys. It doesn't matter. As Steph was asked in the press conference, who can stop Steph Curry? Hopefully, we'll never find out is his response. We, we're not going to find out in this series. It's not going to be one of the Lakers is going to stop Steph Curry. I know that much. <laughs> the offense is too easy for him to operate and manipulate and move through. It doesn't matter if we guard him with Vanderbilt or whoever the hell is going to be guarding. Austin Reeves certainly isn't going to do the job on him. So Steph's going to go for his whatever, 30, 34 points a game. Anthony Davis has to, has to match that because as much as I, I appreciate LeBron's efforts and I, and I know he will have a game in this series, I know he will. That's going to be incredible where he has, you know, 28, 30, 35 points. One of those things, it's going to happen. Maybe it happened more than once. Uh, but we just can't rely on him to be the guy that averages 30 points a game in the series any longer. He's showing that uh, he's willing to, rebound he's willing to defend sometimes and more more often than not he's willing to move the ball on offense which is great because he was again in that game five one of nine from three and his three-point shot has completely left him in this playoffs uh the Draymond Green piece comes out this week that he wanted to not be on the road with the Warriors during LeBron's uh career breaking game of the all-time scoring game against Oklahoma City. He wanted to break away from the road trip and go be on the TNT broadcast or whatever and be in, in, in person for LeBron's championship, which is the craziest fucking thing I've ever heard. So weird. So weird. Uh, and I, look, I understand, you know, the TNT aspect makes it like more you know, like, uh, palatable because <laughs> it's not just like, oh, I just wanted to sit courtside to watch LeBron do his thing. <laughs> like, uh, at least he would have had like a job, like he would have been doing, you know, commentary. Yeah, but you have a job to play professional basketball with your team. Bingo. Right. That and and that right there is so strange. And so the point that you brought up about what is it going to be? What's Draymond going to do here? I sincerely hope Draymond guards LeBron. Because <laughs> you think it'd be, it'll be nice, Draymond? I definitely think he'll be nice. I also think LeBron will be nice to him because he's not going to run around. LeBron's not going to run around out there in the offensive end. He's only going to do anything in the fourth quarter anyway. He's going to have a couple big layups in the first, uh, maybe transition buckets. He'll get those. He still he still has a freight train coming down uh, with the ball in his hands in transition, and I think he, he picks his moments there. Um, but I do wonder, and I have no way to call, if Draymond Green is just going to be uh, his normal self with LeBron and then, and then the friendship will end here. Like this will be the end of the friendship because Draymond Green's going to be the dick that he is and true and in, in like his true. Core. It'll be so fake then drew. It'll be so fake. Cause we know you love this guy. That's what I'm saying though. Uh -huh. But like it, what I'm saying is if Draymond is himself, as we know him, we could have an Isaiah Thomas, Michael Jordan kind of rift here, Charles Barkley, Michael Jordan type of rift uh -huh. here that happens in this playoff series, because you know, the one thing that LeBron demands is respect. 
And so if Draymond's not going to respect LeBron in this series, then then who knows where the relationship goes? Look, I think that's all bullshit. They're going to be buddy buddy. They're going to like I I don't know how long, I, we should have a timer an over under on how long the hug before the tip is between these guys. Is it over under six seconds? Uh, it's going to be fucking weird. It's going to be really, really weird. And that's my hope is that Draymond's guarding LeBron and not Anthony Davis. My guess is if they're smart, they'll put Looney on LeBron uh, and they'll put, they'll put Draymond on AD and make AD work for every inch of that and then have help coming from other ways. I mean, look, Xavier Tillman guarded LeBron for four fucking games. I think Looney is, is two times better than, than Xavier Tillman is. Uh, so it's not inconceivable after what we just witnessed to see that happen in this series with LeBron. And I hope, if that is going to be the case and LeBron is guarded by um, Looney, if he's guarded by Wiggins or if he's guarded by clay, or if he's guarded by uh, Draymond, okay, then, you know, those are still pretty stout defenders, but if it's Looney, please, please be aggressive. That's all my, that's what I hope. Last piece. I know I'm going on long here, but you talked about the extras. Mm -hmm. Gary Payton, Dante Givincenzo really worry me um, with the physicality that they're going to bring to Austin Reeves, who is, as I've talked about the motion, he is the motion of the motion offense. We, everyone else kind of stands around and, and like Austin Reeves just runs around and tries to play and make and create shots and gets people in the spots to operate. Uh, those guys are going to, they're going to be real physical with him. Uh, the good news for Lakers fans is neither of those guys can hit the broadside of a barn right now with a jump shot. Uh, Peyton is always a rebounder and, and a finisher and DiVincenzo is, 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 you know, he's all right as far as motion offense, but neither of them can really shoot the ball right now. And that's really, really positive news for the Lakers. So let's hope they don't catch fire in this series. Uh, but this series is entirely different for the Warriors than the one that they just had a drag out knockdown battle with in the Kings. That shit was up and down. We are going to slow this bitch down. We, as the Lakers, we're going to defend really hard. And the, the, the Kings played their asses off. They played super hard, but they did not defend very hard. I think they did, a, they did a, as, as good of a job as they could on Steph Curry, and that was very hard. And I think those guys need to be commended. But everybody else just kind of, you know, is okay at defense. We have very good defensive players, in, including Anthony Davis, as a rim protector that the Kings – have none of they don't have a rim protector uh so the defensive portion and the throttling down in gears from that series to this will be interesting i think we're going to beat them up i think we're going to be real physical the lakers are going to be real physical with the warriors and try to slow this thing down uh i think that's our hope and that's our that's the way that we can win here is through defense first and then through anthony davis on offense second uh that's my take i i, I think vanderbilt's going to have a really impactful series for us uh, I think Troy Brown will be needed to be relied upon. And dear God, D'Angelo Russell, can you give me can, it, it, 12, 12 to 15 points a game? Just be, I, be a little bit more locked in. He had a great game six uh, against the Grizzlies. Let's, let's keep moving in a positive direction for D'Angelo Russell. I think the same could be said for Jordan Poole, though. I think Warriors yes. fans, like, look, we I didn't <laughs> even mention Jordan Poole as a X factor, right? So, he has a le left ankle injury, played through the first round. He's he's shooting 40% on twos and 22% between four and 14 feet. He's four of 18, 25% for three-point range. He's been bad, right? 
And this is coming off the $100 million deal. This is coming off a really great season last year. They're going to need him. Oh, yeah. But he is so erratic. He is so freaking erratic with the basketball. And I think he's due for a big game. I think one of these first two games, Jordan Poole's going to have a big game. But I think at the end of the day, Drew, we need to get our picks. A lot of people were a little upset we never, never gave our picks. So just based off of, look, the one thing the Lakers have right now is really good momentum. They've had some good time off. They have momentum going into this series. I mean, LeBron has played Steph enough times. We were mentioning about uh, James Harden had a legacy game. This is a legacy series. It really is. Like these guys are neck and neck as far as best players of our generation. You know, it's Steph and it's LeBron. The most important players of our generation are Steph and LeBron. And um, I'm just going with, it's not the Laker hate that I have because I do, I want LeBron to get another chip. I want him to, to, to back up my call and him being the greatest of all time. I would like him to get another chip. If I'm a betting man, I'm going with the guys that have been there before the full squad. I'm going with the defending champs in, which is crazy to even be saying after the season we just saw, right? Yeah. Like we didn't have them. They were dead, dead to rights. Same it's thing the with the six Lakers. Versus the seven seed. I, that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Um, I just, I I'm going with the warriors on this one. I'm hoping it goes seven. A lot of warriors fans that I know our boy, yeah, Ray young said warriors in five. I think that's a Ooh. little rough. I think oh. that's rough. I know it is. I, as far as the Lakers go, it just comes down to, yeah. to Anthony Davis. They do not have anybody to guard Anthony Davis. I think Looney is going to be a problem. Like, look, man, this guy, dude did three 20, 20 rebound games. The guy's focused on getting rebounds and playing defense and picking up the trash. You love a guy like Looney on your team. But with Anthony Davis, you got to reach out and touch someone. And Draymond's going to want to do that. That's why I think the Kaminga play, LeBron needs to be touched too. The Kaminga play with the young legs and shit, you need to match the, the Lakers' young legs. They have young legs now. So, yeah, other than LeBron, we have we have some pretty young legs out there. That's what it is. I think this is going to be a drag out series. I think this is going to be everything that everybody wants it to be, or that's expecting it to be. Um, hopefully, it's refereed properly. This is a question for you, Drew. What happens first? Does Draymond first thing? Does Draymond get a technical foul, or does Anthony Davis have a catastrophic fake injury first? Which one's coming first if you're a betting man in Vegas? The fake injury you're saying from Anthony Davis? Well, like this is the catastrophic injury. And, and then we hold our breath for five minutes? Yeah, the, the grabbing of the kneecap for, for seven minutes. And then, minutes, he, and then, and then, then he pops up, and then he yeah. pops back up? Okay. Yeah. Shit, that's close. Uh, I'm I'm going to say Draymond technical. I'm, Dray, I'm, Draymond T first. I I think a Draymond technical, yeah, he's got to set the tone, you know? It's a new series. Got to break these reps in again. Did you uh, know that? Like, I didn't know this. Did you know Draymond's first bucket? In the NBA, he was called for a technical foul. His first made shot. What this is, I saw this. Oh, yesterday. I love it. His first made shot, his rookie year, hits it. I forgot who he hit it on. He was complaining so, to the ref that he was. No, he said something to him, got teed up for taunting. And I'm like, how fucking perfect is this? Draymond was teched on his first bucket ever. I didn't know yeah, that. that's before the the Warriors were even good. That's that's incredible. That's and incredible. it was a jump shot. It was a jumper, like a little yeah, mini. He hasn't hit one since. Um <laughs> What's your no. call? What's your what do you got the series at, Drew? If the Lakers are going to win, it's Lakers in six. We we can't expect to go back to Golden State for Game Seven and come out of there. I don't think. I mean, LeBron uh, is if, if fuck man. If this was like two years ago, I I would feel more gung ho about Lakers in seven. I just think if it goes seven, I think the Warriors pull it out. So my hope is we steal one of these first two, which is very plausible. We steal one of these first two games. They just had a, a long series. 
let's go win this one. Let's get let's go get game one right now. We are rested. Uh, let's go fucking show up tonight and win game one. And then we're going to be able to, to win in six. I think that's my hope is we'll close it out in Staples in six. And if it goes to seven, I don't I just don't think we'll have I mean, it'll be a close game and everything. But I, my I would lean Warriors if it goes seven. So you got Lakers in six. I got dubs in seven. Give me a final thought, Drew. We got games to watch tonight. Final thought. Uh, first, I love Jack Nicholson. Oh, huge. So I uh, haven't seen Jack at a Laker game in, in uh, a little over two years since 2021. Uh, it was awesome to see him in the building. And that's how you know that Jack thinks the Lakers are actually pretty good this year, by the way, because Jack ain't showing up for a loss. He's not showing up for a loss. He goes, oh, Lakers are pretty good, huh? Yeah, we got LeBron and AD got it cooking again. Talk Shit, about go, public. Let me go. Let me go see. Let me go see what's happening out there. Uh, so Jack is back. That's not my final thought, but it, I, for, I forgot to mention it when we were talking Lakers. So uh, here's the other uh, Lakers and Lakers and six. Jack is on the floor, by the way, for Game Six. That's what's okay. going to happen. Jack's going to be there. We don't lose in front of Jack. Um, final do you thought, think Jack. Do you think Jack just has to call and say I'm coming? Those are his season season tickets. Oh, he does. He still does. He just give them away every night. Yeah, his. I think it's normally his grandson and and somebody else that occupy the. Okay. Uh, Who I think his grandson was there with him. Yeah, at at game six, uh, when he was there. Okay. Uh, So yeah, those have he's retained though. I didn't mean look. I don't know how. I mean maybe they're not raising inflation on him, but. I'm sure the tickets have gone up a little bit since the it 70s. ain't the 87 price, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> so, I but I don't think he's paying full price. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like it's probably a little bit of a of a give and take there for all the years of uh, of fandom that he's put in. So, final thought: um, we're going off off the playoffs. We're staying in the NBA, and we're con- we're, we're going to talk about the Rockets. I don't know why I, I I I had this thought, but you know the Rockets signed Ime Udoka. They bring in Ime Udoka and it's a shocker because I thought for sure he would be a great fit for Toronto who's now out of a coach, great fit for Milwaukee who might be out of a coach, great fit for Boston again going back to the fact that who knows what the hell's going to happen with Joe Maz. Uh Ime decides uh you know, he needs he needs a paycheck. So he's going to go going to go sign with the Houston Rockets. And the reason I'm bringing this up is I think it means that the Rockets are done tanking. Mm. I don't see Ime Udoka as a tanking head coach. Now, look, Popovich is not a tanking head coach, but we've seen that happen. Uh, So it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Rockets still go through this whole, like, let's be bad shit and, and let's keep getting picks. But I do think that they're set up pretty nicely potentially for Victor Wenbanyama to end up as a Houston rocket. And now if I am Victor Wenbanyama, I'm much more excited about that prospect. Number one, they have a good coach there and I feel bad for Silas. Silas probably won't ever get another shot uh, as a head coach in the NBA. I mean, look, he he was a long time assistant coach, so I don't think he'll be without a job, but I I don't think he'll get another head coaching job for, for some time. I mean, Luke Walden ain't getting any jobs anytime soon. So uh, we'll see if that matches up with, with Silas or not. Uh, So Ime immediately makes the Rockets more formidable and, and a happier destination for Wenbanyama, for Scoot Henderson, for uh, Brandon Miller, whoever it is that they draft. And I think they're actually going to start fucking pulling the trigger here and let's seeing like, let's actually try to play defense. Let's actually try to run an offense. Let's actually try to get into the postseason some at some point in this year. And that's exciting. 
because the last thing I want to see for Jalen Green uh, and Shengun and all the all the like the litany of young good talent that they have down there is just being in this in the Charlotte Hornets realm of things where and and where they have been for the last couple of years as the Rockets, just like kind of nowhere, you know. Uh, so we saw Oklahoma City finally open the floodgates a little bit here. Let those boys play. Let Shea play in the second half. Let them get a little taste of the postseason. It's a very small taste, uh, but they got a taste of the postseason. I think that's what we're going to see from the the, uh, the Houston Rockets um, next year. And that makes me excited because I think Ime is a great coach. He will command the room. He's a good veteran presence for those young kids that they have out there. And who knows, I, I you know, if they end up with Wembo, we might be uh, we might be having a little something on our hands here. So shout out to Ime, shout out to Houston. I'd love to see some wins come in. I totally agree with you. I think that that Houston, like we can't argue the fact that they have talent, right? Like the, the talent is there. I love Sangoon. I think he is like the next Pau Gasol kind of guy. Like his footwork. And you could see Sangoon and Wembo playing great. I, I, I mean, they, I, I could see them playing per, peanut butter and jelly, man. I, I totally agree with you. And with Jalen Green and and KPJ and and Jabari, like they have all the talent. It's organized confusion. That's just, just what it is, man. They need somebody that's going to bring them together, teach them how to play a cohesive basketball together, actually run some plays. Cause I've mentioned so many times, like they are oh, just yeah. so confused at the end of games. And I think they just tuned out Silas. I think Silas is a good basketball mind. I think he tried his best. Well, he, there was also, he wasn't supposed to win. Right? right. So it's not like, not only did they tune him out, but like, what is he going to be like? All right, guys, like, let's make the first half close, I right. guess. Like, well, you know, they're not supposed to win. And with the addition of possibly Wembo or a scoot and with probably the addition of Dylan Brooks, like Dylan Brooks is probably <laughs> going to be a Houston rocket here in a minute. I, I do want to say something about that. Cause that was all the news today. It came out today <laughs> that, that uh, the Grizzlies aren't going to bring Dylan Brooks back. And I don't think that's a shocker, but I think some team's going to pick him up. And it's funny because they, they named the suitors for Dylan Brooks. And one of the teams was the Los Angeles Lakers. They brought up that Dylan Brooks might be a good Los Angeles Laker. Now, look, if anybody got to eat a full piece of humble pie, it was this guy and, and that whole organization. Jaw included. All of these guys got the humble pie. Dylan Brooks, 100%. If this doesn't make you take a look in the mirror, I, I had said when the Jaw Morant shit happened, like sometimes you need this stuff to happen to put a mirror in front of your face and show you exactly what you're doing wrong. It's the same thing with Dylan Brooks, right? Who the NBA fined 25K for not showing up to press conferences. Pretty punkish, if you ask me. Like this could have gone way easier for Dylan Brooks if he would have just taken it, taken it on the nose. You know what I mean? Interview after the game say you effed up, probably shouldn't have said that poking the bear was wrong. He should have addressed it. And, uh, yeah. you know, Memphis is going to move on from that situation, but I do think a team's going to pick up Dylan Brooks. We had both mentioned, like, if we got like a good yeah. version of Dylan Brooks, I'll take him. Right. But I don't want this version, this villain version, this stone cold, Steve Austin version. I don't want it. Yeah, you can't. I, I, you, I think you made a point on the last one saying like he cost himself millions of dollars. That is not an exaggeration. No, he, he'll get picked up somewhere. He's, he's nowhere near the money he would have been. It's going to be a one year. Let's try this out mm -hmm. deal now because now it looks like you're a bad influence in the locker room. Now it looks like you're, you're a head case. And guess what? You're bricking everything. You are bricking everything. So this is not good for Dylan Brooks. Have and, you ever been a guy I, that psyched we, him? That psyched but, himself out of basketball games? Like, this is the guy that psyched himself out. 
right. to not play. He talked himself out of the series. Right, right. And and so look, I think there there will be a spot for him, but it uh, it's not going to be an easy thing. I mean, it, it, as funny as the joke is that he'll be in China, he's not far from that. He's not far from leaving the NBA for what just happened. And that would be a travesty because he is good enough to be in the NBA. And I again, I I really appreciated him uh, having that type of attitude, having that type of chip on the shoulder. I think he went about it entirely the wrong way. Uh, and I also think there could have been a really great, like humorous moment for him there. He could have really like leaned into it, lipped it. Yeah. And been like, mm-hmm. well, shit, <laughs> like, well, look, bro, we're going to see the complete whoop. opposite. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we're going to see the complete opposite with Draymond Green. Right. So, so LeBron's going to go from Dylan Brooks, who's calling him old. And, you know, I don't respect anybody that gives me 40, right. that doesn't give me 40. And then you're going to go to a guy that like fucking covets this guy. Yeah. And holds kills him, on him a with pedestal. kindness. Yeah. Draymond's going to kill him with kindness and kisses. Uh, yeah. I, so the, the, the other thing is, is like, I thought it was pretty fucked up that they, that they added, uh, that they're not going to be bringing him back under any circumstances. Like that's, you can just say, you can we're just not bring you back. We're, we, yeah, you we're can moving on it. from you. You can just end it there. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember any time ever that there was an under any circumstances added to we're not bringing a guy back before. That is fucking stone cold. You can talk about stone cold. That is that is cold, boy. That, right. that is really cold. And th- <laughs> honestly, that also shows Jaw that it doesn't matter how much he likes you. Like they're not listening to you either, Jaw. You can say, "Oh, I really want Dylan Brooks to be here," but. We're moving on. No circumstances. You well, can't come back. And and there there is so many players that can improve the position, yes. as we've talked about. Like, yes. there's other options out there that even when Dylan Brooks is fucking quiet is a better option than Dylan Brooks is, and they need to upgrade for some time. And while we do expect, I do as well, that he'll end up somewhere in the NBA, he's not going to be a starter. Mm-mm. Not going to be a starter. I mean, think about the places that would have him as a starter. I, I, I'm going through my brain, like even the ones that are tanking on purpose. I don't even think he would be a starter for those teams. He's not. He wouldn't be a starter in Utah. He's not a starter in Orlando. Uh, the Rockets definitely not a starter. Like I just, I keep going through the different options. Charlotte, I maybe, maybe Charlotte. Oh, the God. Wizards. What the hell are the Wizards going to do? They kind of need a defensive guy. Maybe, maybe he fits in there. I don't know, but. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to be easy for Dylan Brooks. Uh, I do think him, him not uh, addressing the media was the worst possible choice. Mm-hmm. And you can say, no, the worst choice was poking the bear. No, no, it was not the worst choice. The worst choice was not owning up to what the hell just happened. And, and I swear to God, if I was his PR team or his brother or friend, I would have said, dude, go out there with a smile mm-hmm. and go make a joke, make it light, make it about yourself. Go, go mm-hmm. take yourself a little less seriously and everyone will be like, cool. And, and guess what? The one question everyone wants to ask you, you've already been out in front of it. You've already made the joke. Mm-hmm. So when they follow up with, well, what do you do next time? Not that. Right. What's the next question? What else do we have? He zero start- questions. They will have zero questions yeah. because that's all they wanted to do was at, get your reaction to that one thing. And then he could have owned the moment. Like he could have started. He could have started the press conference when saying, damn, I fucked up. Huh? Yeah. Won't wow. do that again. Yeah. Won't do that again. Didn't know. Uh, I thought I was poking Yogi and I got, I got, gri- I got a grizzly, you know? Yeah. Like I, I learned exactly. my lesson. My bad. Yeah, I feel I- like, I feel like Leon- Leonardo DiCaprio. 
in uh in uh shit what is that movie the the we, reverend the, the reverend the revenant the revenant i feel like i feel like leo in the revenant that would have been a great way to start the press conference totally people agree. would have been dying mm-hmm. he would have made positive news media mm-hmm. maybe that would he could have said hey 40 is the new 20 right yeah something right, like perfect. that perfect yeah, i could have wrote all the jokes for him i would have had dude, it for him reach out to clips and drew dylan brooks next time or anybody who finds themselves in this circumstance we got we have jokes for days we are a mini writer's room right here we got you hey my final thought i gotta make it quick because we got oh, i thought that was your final thought was the dylan brooks thing no oh shit no i just leaned oh i guess i could i could do that if you'd like no 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 no. what is it what is it Uh, dude my final thought is so far off basketball it's so far (laughs) off i want to spit some game i i guess that did come off as a final thought i apologize it It worked perfectly didn't it (laughs) it did work perfectly. let's see do you want i mean do you want to save it or do you want i'll just save it i'll save it because that works great i'll just pretend like okay look look yeah there's there's a little teaser come back for clips's initial final thought on the next podcast all right, we got game one tonight. Lakers, Warriors. We got game two. Knicks. Uh, God damn it. Knicks, Heat. Who's playing? We don't know. Uh, we're going to be back shortly, though, Drew. We can't let two games pass. So we got, we got to drop another pod probably uh, early this week, maybe after game two, maybe before game two. But we're going to come back. Uh, no two-hour podcast this week. I think we got it under two hours. Where are we at, Drew? We're, we're close. God dang it. <laughs> we're close. God, I promised people I wasn't going to do this. So hopefully we get this back out tonight. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, and we're ghosts. You know what it is, you know what it is.